Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
What a song. What a song. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sodder Show. I'm Rory Sodder, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you all since last week. We had an amazing uh, couple shows last week. We were on the air Tuesday and Thursday, and um, we were also on the air, as usual, on AM radio uh, this past Saturday at KFNX. And everybody, you're probably wondering why I'm doing a show today. Uh, We were not able to get on air yesterday as planned because I wanted to watch, and everybody else, the State of the Union, a very important speech that lasted pretty much our entire show yesterday. So um, there's no way uh, we could have ever, ever missed that. I mean, what what an amazing, an amazing um, presentation and, and, um, you know, speech he gave last night. Unreal. It was unreal. Um, But anyways, guys, we got a lot to get into tonight, as usual. I hope you are having a fantastic week. I hope your day is going accordingly. I hope it's fun. I hope it's productive. I hope it's everything it's supposed to be. I want to thank all my audience, my co-hosts, my sponsors and guests. Uh, You are all incredible. The show is more evolved than ever before. We keep growing and growing. A lot of plans for the future of the Rory Sodder Show. Lots of announcements, too, coming up. I got a lot of stuff in the works, a lot of stuff I'm working on. Uh, kind of putting together. Uh, there's been some stuff, as everybody knows, on the back burner that I'm still kind of uh, bringing, bringing to the, bringing back to the surface, and uh, you know, really um, putting putting that agenda forth for what uh, what I want to what I want to release and uh, share with all of you. Uh, really, um, a lot going on. Um, I uh, I want to say, you know, um, as always, you know, the honor. And uh, the gift and, you know, just, just the opportunity, being able to shine my light, being able to utilize this platform and uh, be on air with you guys. Uh, we never run out of things to talk about. Uh, we mesh so well uh, with people on this show. And uh, unbelievable chemistry. Unbelievable. You know, the rhythm, the flow, it's, it's perfect. Um, and the dialogue, unbelievable. Um, it's incredible. And, uh, you know, 238 episodes. Here we are. Here we are after over two years of doing this. And uh, I just, you know, it, it's mind-blowing. In a lot of ways, it's surreal. It really is. And I would have laughed at anyone who would who you know, if they, if they would have told me two years later I'd be doing episode 238. I, <laughs> you know, crazy. Crazy, crazy. But you know what? Radio has become part of who I am become a routine of mine. It's my livelihood. Um, it, it really is uh, something that I have a gift for, you know, and, and it's, it, it's, a, it's a natural, a natural uh, situation. You know, I, one day I just picked up the mic, you know, wanted to take advantage uh, of, uh, of this whole podcasting industry, and here I am. Okay. Um, so, guys, I um, – I'll tell you what, you know, the, the acquittal, uh, the, the situation today, uh, this whole impeachment nonsense, this witch hunt circus, uh, what, a, what a show. What a show it's been, um, and I, I can't wait. I can't wait. Finally, this day is here, you know. Uh, the, 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 you know, all this time wasted, all this time, you know. It's crazy. It really is. I want to welcome to the panel. We have retired police chief and homicide detective Michael Valsi. Michael. How are you? Good, good. Glad you could join us. 
Thanks, Roy, for having me. Yeah, it's certainly been an interesting uh, week so far. Uh, certainly glad that the impeachment uh, wound up the way it wound up. I don't think there was any question about it. And looking forward to the show tonight. Absolutely, my friend. Well, always a pleasure, and thank you for joining us. Um, I also want to welcome to the show, I believe we have Todd McKinley. He's had a great career in D.C. Uh, he's a retired Army paratrooper. He's worked in the White House, and I think he's 90% sure he's going to be running for Congress in Tennessee. How are you, buddy? Hey, very good, Roy. I appreciate you having me on. What a, what a week. Uh, what, what a week so far. Tomorrow's, uh, what, Thursday? We're not even through the whole week yet, so, you know, everything's going pretty good so far. Iowa caucus winner is question mark at this point, so we don't know. State of the Union, very patriotic. About 80 to 85 percent of what President Trump spoke about was bipartisan Things that, you know, if you're a Democrat, Republican, liberal, uh, you know, conservative, you can readily agree with, with that agenda he laid out. Maybe 10 to 15 percent, I could say, was probably more conservative or more uh, uh, Trumpican uh, in nature, but for the most part, bipartisan. And, you know, you can't even sit, stand for a Tuskegee Airman who's 100 plus years old, World War II, Korean War, Vietnam veteran, and so forth. Uh, you know, he, you know, an American hero. You couldn't stand. You couldn't even stand for the people who, who he, he was honoring that had died overseas and our first responders. You know, the guy coming back home and his wife was sitting sitting right beside uh, the great first lady Melania Trump. And next thing you know, uh, they couldn't even stand for this guy. You know, and fancy answer, she throws a little t- temper tantrum there at the end, uh, and tears up the, uh, the the speech, which is completely ridiculous. Which really goes to show that she really has no respect, not only for this president, but for our country and for the heroes that that that, that served and fought for. Our country, uh, you know, and then of course the impeachment hoax is all over as of today. Uh, but you know, Jerry Nadler and, and all the other Democrats said they're going to regroup and go back at it as we knew they would. I just wonder what the next hoax or the or the next impeachment trial is going to bring uh, to bear. I just wonder what they're going to make up next. Is it China now, or is it going to be North Korea? Who who's the bad guy that we should be afraid of next? Anyway, I think we should all be afraid of the Democrats at, at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and you know, think about. All of the hours and all of the energy and te- wasted taxpayer dollars, and I mean, it, they've really led us on a fishing expedition, and they can't get over it. You know, they can't get over 2016. It drives them crazy how Trump's given power back to we the people, and they don't, they don't, they have no other option in their eyes than to impeach him. I mean, and that's how sad, and that's how you know, lack of substance uh, the Democratic Party. Uh, is these days. I mean, it, it's bad. There's no policy anymore. It's all about hostility, no. animosity, and hate, and, you know, uh, envy. I mean, they're so envious of him. Absolutely. You know, and you said fishing expedition. Uh, a fishing expedition, and mind you, that's in a kiddie pole that actually doesn't have any water in it. Uh, so that's what they're leading us on. So you have no hope of not only catching no fish, but there's no water anyway. Uh, that's that's the Democrats for you, for, for, from uh, for for the most part. There's a few uh, bright spots in that party, but those those guys are far by far overshadowed uh, by what we see in Washington D.C. on a daily basis. Out of control. Uh, they hate America. Uh, never mind the president. They, they just hate this country and what it stands for. Uh, they hate the Constitution. They hate the Constitution because it restricts them from being able to do whatever the hell they want to do. Pardon my language, but whatever they want to do to us, the American, uh, the American people. I mean, that, that's really why they hate the Constitution. Very true. It's very true, my friend. Um, glad you could join us, though. A lot to get into tonight, obviously. Headline after headline this week. And uh, glad, I'm really, as always, glad you could join us. Yes, sir. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, okay, everybody. So, as usual, 
and we have a lot of people joining us tonight. Big show. Um, but as usual, I'll go through the small stuff, uh, you know, just the various headlines that have, uh, you know, transpired and, and, and occurred these last few days and over the weekend. And, um, you know, then as I get to people on the panel, they can give, as usual, their thoughts and, and all that good stuff. You know, we always have uh, great insight and, and great ideas that we bring to the table. It's always a very useful and uh, worthy conversation, that's for sure. Um, so, yeah, small stuff, and then we'll get into the big stuff, the impeachment stuff. Okay. Um, you know, this is driving me crazy, and I talk about this on my show all the time, and it goes to show who the Democratic Party really is. You know, they're all about being as radical as they can be. They're all about pushing an agenda that would my, my, that, that has normal, sane people mind blown. You know, whether it's the trannies, whether it's the, you know, the gay marriage is one thing. You know, I'm not here to put down gay people, but you know what? They got what they wanted with the gay marriage stuff. But then, it, like, like anything with the left, it's never enough. They have to push more and more. They've got to do the, the story hour, the drag queen story hour. They've got to do 100 different genders. They, they have to, you know, try to convince kids that little tiny children can think for themselves. And, you know, the, the, and this, this happens every, every, you know what, as far as I'm concerned with the SJWs, the social justice warriors, you know, the, these people, that, I mean, they're, think about it. I mean, what, what, what we've, it's, it's unethical in every single standard, uh, as immoral as it can get, uh, these people, you know, and if we don't agree with them, this is the worst part. They call us bigots. They call us hateful. They say we're on the wrong side of history. When in reality, they're trying to get rid of our signature values and what this, what Western civilization was built upon. You know, they, they get mad that Christians, um, don't accept their lifestyle, but they want to, you know, they, they want to control us. They want to tell us how to think. It's the biggest hypocrisy on earth. And, and by the way, I've always asked myself and asked these people, if you don't like something, generally in life, you separate yourself. You don't try to go back constantly and try to change it or try to make them, you know, think of you differently. You know, and here's the latest example of the left of the Democratic Party and what they're pushing. They now want, in my home state of Washington, everybody knows I'm from the city of Seattle, Seattle, Washington, beautiful place, and uh, it's been over, overtaken and radicalized by all these left-wing politicians. I mean, it's third-world ideology there. But anyway, they are pushing for kindergartners to have LGBTQ, whatever. What, and that's another thing. How many more damn letters are you going to add to it? You know, first it's LGBT, then you got to add the Q, and you got to add the R, the Z, whatever, whatever letter it's on right now. I don't know. You know, I, I haven't been paying attention, but really think about that. Indoctrinating young children who are playing with action figures and watching cartoons with sexual talk. I didn't. When you're in kindergarten, you're not supposed to know what that means. You're not supposed to know anything about the anatomy or anything you know, in this sexual nature until, I would say middle school, with, with how evolved people are these days, I would say seventh or eighth grade, you know, I think, I think it is, is the appropriate time to start exploring, uh, you know, those, those 
situations, but goddamn, kindergarten? Are you kidding me? I mean, and this is the problem. You have parents, <laughs> you have parents who are really upset about this. There's a lot of backlash. They are like, why? We send our kids to school not for you to tell them what they should believe or how they should live their life. I mean, this is what these teachers are doing. They're essentially saying that, you know, they're going in about it the total wrong way because they're making this about hate if you don't accept it. If you don't accept the learning, then you're, you know, oblivious, you're, you're hateful, you're, 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 um, you're against their, their, you know, their lifestyle and all this stuff. This is, this is, it's the victim mentality. It is. This is what the left has created. And it's the same sort of thing with, you know, I, all these people think they can identify with however. I mean, some young guy said he identifies as a 50-year-old woman, you know. And then there's some guy that said he identified as a, guy, as a hippo and as a unicorn. I mean, you can't, you can't make this stuff up. This is about as deranged and delusional as I think anything can get in life. I mean, I think I'm living in an alternate universe. I think I'm living on a different planet. That's how, that's how out of control this is. Think about that. They'll really let that sink in. Having little young children learn about butt sex and the, the gay community. And, and let, let me go into that as well. With the whole butt sex thing, uh, in places like California and in places like Washington, this is the kind of education. Little kids, they're trying to teach about this. I don't know how that's useful in any way. I don't think you can justify or make an excuse for, for something like this, ever no matter what your talking point is, no matter what your political affiliation is, this is about right and wrong. This is about humanity. This is about, you know, I, I could go on and on with, with different elaborations and different, and different definitions of how, on so many levels. I mean, come on. Come on, guys. But you know what? Sadly, there's people that actually agree with this. A lot of people on the left, they've been brainwashed and they've been convinced that they have to accept all of this. It's the PC culture we live in. Think about it. It's the PC culture. And now they're saying in a lot of these places that they want parents to have say. You know, there's, there's legislation that's getting put forth um, from certain politicians. You know, obviously our party, you know that. Um, that, you know, that this, you know, you can't, you can't shove this down people's throats. Bottom line, bottom line, our education system is, is in the shitter. It's really bad. It's, 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 yeah. I mean, like, what the hell, guys? Get it together. Okay. Um, here, you know, here's something um, really, um, it kind of, you know, it hits, it really hits, hits hard. And it's so annoying, and it's so hypocritical, and it's such a double standard. And it all goes into what I talk about, how these politicians are the perfect definition of do as I say, not as I do. But anyways, new report out today. Joe Biden, among many others running for president, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, they've got six figures in private airplane um, bills. I'm talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. Some have even surpassed a million dollars. But yeah, and these people want to say that climate is the biggest threat on earth. You know, they want, they want to talk about climate change. 
but they're, they're flying private. They're still driving their gas-guzzling Escalades and their Tahoes. And then they bitch about capitalism all while playing on their iPhone and drinking Starbucks, companies that were founded based on capitalism. You know, um, but yeah, I mean, ser- seriously, guys. I mean, these people, you know, they don't care about the peasants. They don't care about the little people. Trump makes the perfect definition when he says they get elected and they say, see you in four years. You know, this is how the voters in America have been. I mean, we've been used for the longest time. We've been taken advantage of. We haven't been taken seriously. Uh, There hasn't been sincerity. There hasn't been authenticity from so many of our past leaders. But think about that. And you know what? Here's what the biggest problem is is that the voters in that party, at least a lot of them, don't want to acknowledge that. They want to focus on being offended and anything they can find to try to say Trump is this terrible person. They don't want to look in the mirror or at their own people that are supposed to be working for them and identify the the issue. You know, this, this this is what it's come to. Really. I mean, think about that. These people are saying they're for the poor. They're for all the, the less fortunate. But they fly private and, and get these huge bills. And then guess where the – guess who's paying for that shit? Excuse my French, but guess who's paying for it? Taxpayers. Yep. 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 I mean, come on. If that doesn't bother you, any, any person who loves America and loves what we stand for, if that doesn't bother you – and you know what? I think flying private is great. You know, before my father died, he was a very successful real estate uh, mogul, you know, and he had his own airplane, and we would fly private. I think it's awesome, but don't preach a lifestyle that you say you're against, but then you do the opposite. You know, capitalism is beautiful. I think that's one of the greatest parts about America. You get to utilize and and take advantage of the American dream. I think it's awesome, but come on. You know, I, I just want the Democratic Party to get back to some sort of substance because, you know, believe it or not, on certain issues, I'm, I'm a moderate. You know, I, I, I always pretty much lean conservative, but I'm moderate on certain things. You know, there, there's certain – and but here's the problem. The left doesn't have that sort of moderate mentality anymore for the most part. You know, they've, they've gone so – they're in communism stage. You know, so I can't. I can't resonate with these people. It's not the Bill Clinton days. It's not, uh, it's not the Joe Liebermans. It's not the Ted Kennedys. You know, it's it, that time is coming past. You know, they they are hijacked by the AOCs and the 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 Omars. Okay, um, here's something really. This, this is you know, this is something that, and this is only going to get worse. You know, we see all these various examples of PC culture, and you know, um, everybody has to you know be offended by something. Everybody has to apologize. Nobody can say what they really, what's really on their mind. They have to hold back. They have to be polished. You know, they, they have to be this person that, that um, yeah. I mean, this sugarcoating crap. This is this is what this is what it's come to. And what 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 we've come to as a society, where if we question it, like I said earlier. And but anyways, the latest here with PC culture is PETA, and we all know they've given so many problems to people in the past. I mean, they are probably the worst social justice warrior, and a lot, of, a lot of their hysteria and fake outrage is so unnecessary. It's absurd what some of these people come out with, but their latest stunt is saying 
calling calling animals pets is derogatory. Yes. Calling an animal a pet now is derogatory. You know, I, I you can't make this stuff up. You know, you feel like you're watching a comedy movie. You feel like this is satire. Or you might be reading The Onion. But no, this is real life. <laughs> this, this is what it is. I mean, come on. Call it. Listen to that again. Calling an animal a pet is derogatory. Jesus Christ. You know, and it all kind of goes into that whole gender pronoun crap, like the his and her. Like you can't even, you know, they, they say they're the party of science, but they don't want to acknowledge that either you're born with a, a penis or a vagina. They don't want to acknowledge that, though. They don't. And, and they say they're so for science, you know, climate change and all this stuff. But the whole gender pronoun thing totally uh, kind of contradicts that. You know, these people don't. These people think anybody can be anything. And, you know, PETA goes into the whole, you know, the, the, the leftist, um, you know, they are. They, they're probably, the, like I said a little bit ago, they are the worst social justice warrior group. One of them. They're up there with Black Lives Matter and, you know, the smelly feminists and all these people. You know, it's just and, – and this is what – you know, here's what I've discovered, and I think everybody pretty much understands this, is the more groups they can create – the more boxes they can fill, the more they become stronger with their party because they're capitalizing on a market. You know, the victim mentality, the victim mindset, the not taking responsibility and acting entitled is very popular today. We see all these people that support Bernie, support all these crazy third world ideologies. But I don't want to get too off topic, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Okay. Um, Here's, here's something really um, – and this, this really bothers me. And, and, you know, this all goes into the fake news, and it all goes into the whole, you know, narrative that I discuss constantly on my show and how the mainstream media is like, you know, 97% controlled, and we only get that 3% of honesty. But anyways, this is, multiple politicians have been doing this, and so have, you know, media personalities. But the whole kids in cages – Michael Bloomberg put up a picture the other day using an Obama-era photo, trying to put the blame on Trump and saying Trump is this horrible person. And, I mean, framing him. Look at the fabrications. There has to be some rule or law against this sort of slander. You know, <clears throat> in a lot of ways, you're really – you're assassinating somebody's character and who they are as a person. That's what you're doing. You're, you're going after their family. That's what these people – I mean, think about what they deal with in their personal life. You know, and this is what journalism has come to. Journalism has come to a point where it's feelings over facts. They want to write whatever feels good. They want to write a narrative that's going to best suit their sheep. And Michael Bloomberg is in bed with the media. He's part of the problem. He owns Bloomberg, and we all know that's le it's a left-wing organization. Um, he's got a lot of influence. He's got a lot of power. He's got a lot of money invested. But he's not the only Democrat, like I said, to do this. I mean, think about all these people that have gotten away with saying Trump puts them in cages using an Obama-era picture. How is that fair? And when you – even – and here's the craziest part. Even – because I know a lot of Democrat voters. 
even when you show them proof and they see acknowledge that it was an Obama era, they still want to blame it on Trump. You know why? Because it makes them feel good. Just like most of them with a brain knew that nothing was going to come of the impeachment, but they liked, they liked to see Trump, you know, in jeopardy. They liked to see the whole thing sabotaged. You know, it's so, so wrong. Okay. Um, you know, there, here, here's something that um, I think is unreal, and I talk about this on my show all the time. And President Trump uh, announced this last night, but you know, the the border wall. Uh, promise he promises more than 500 miles of border wall with by early next year. And think about that. That's his biggest promise. On the campaign trail, he's already delivered, and I talk about this all, all the time, 80% of his agenda within the first three years. Most presidents after eight years don't even fulfill 10% of their promises or their agenda. Uh, he's given back to the American people like nobody I've ever seen. I mean we are forever indebted to him. We don't deserve him the way he gets treated. I'm sorry, but this guy had a billionaire lifestyle. He had the greatest life on the face of the earth, and he saw our country was suffering. And he took time out of his, you know, crazy life to get harassed, get humiliated, get treated. I mean, it's just, you can't make this up. We've never seen animosity to this level ever in D.C. politics. You know, and it's it really is one of those things. It, it's it really is sad. It's sad. And, you know, the next thing I want to get into, and, you know, I haven't talked about this issue in a long time, but the national anthem protests. I mean, apparently we're still on that crap because uh, over the weekend, and here, people like Jay-Z and Beyonce, who are the biggest slobs, they're the biggest thugs, they're the biggest anti-American scum you could ever imagine. I mean, these people, you know, look where they came from, you know, the, the projects. You know, a lot of these people, you know, I, I, I'm i not going to, you know, I, I just think a lot of things in the black community need to change. You know, we have, they make up 12% of the population and they commit over 50% of the crimes. So, I, you know, you can only play the victim for so long. You can only say racism for so long. You can only try to say, you know, blame everybody else for everything for so long. I mean, you know, police brutality, it's so over glorified. It's, so, it's not real the way the media tries to portray it and tries to spew it. You know, you, you got that 99% of the time where a cop is trying to defend the situation because usually the thugs don't stop running and put their hands in the air. And, you know, I, I mean, think about it. Think about this. Think about Chicago. Think about Detroit. Think about Maryland. Think about what these people have to go through. I mean, we know there's crooked cops, but I would say less than 1%. Very, very slim, you know, and, and that's really the reality. Less than 1% of the time, I would think there's a crooked cop that goes after a black person for racial reasons. But think about everything our law enforcement officers do for us. Think about how they put their blood, sweat, and tears on the line. A lot of these people are scared to do their job because of these communities. But getting, getting back to this whole Jay-Z and Beyonce thing, you know, they want to say without knowing any facts, Every single police shooting, every single situation, even if these people are criminals like Trayvon Martin, Michael, um, Michael Brown, 
Um, all these people, they want, they want to scream racism, and they want to sit for the national anthem, and their excuse is police brutality. Sorry, not good enough, considering there were probably less than 10, or if that, uh, you know, malicious, malicious shootings. I would say, in the, like, I haven't seen, I've only seen a few, maybe one or two malicious shootings by a white police officer in the last couple years, like very few to none. And here's what drives me nuts, and I, and I blame partially this partially on the media. You know, they, they tell their sheep that people like Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown are victims. When in reality, we see the tape and we see what transpired, we hear the audio and, and this whole war on cops, and it started with Barack Obama. Don't ever forget, Barack Obama took Trayvon Martin's side over our law enforcement, even when he knew all the facts. And people like Jay-Z and Beyonce are entitled scums, slobs that, you know, have this whole uh, mentality that because of their skin color, you know, they, they, can, they can say and do whatever they want. And they think they're so important. They think everybody's going to listen to them. And you know what? A lot of people do listen to them, and that's why they keep, you know, brainwashing and taking advantage. Um, think about it, though. You know, they make all this money in this country, and they want to say how hateful it is. They want to say how oppressed it is. But they're the biggest capitalists on earth. You know, they're the 1%. You know, if it's so bad, then why the hell are you here? Why, you, why is your smelly asses – why are you here? And I'm so sick of the community. Like, just – you know what? People want to say, oh, my God, these Hollywood stars, Beyonce, Jay-Z. Oh, my God, they're so – no, come on. Come on. These people are not advocates. They are not positive role models. They're not doing anything but hurting the case and in a lot of ways making fools of themselves because a lot of people are pissed about it. But sadly, a lot of people are still stuck in that zone and that box where they think they have to be a victim. It's sick. It is sick. And you know what? Stuff needs to change in the black community. It needs to change. A lot of great, a lot of great black people out there that obey the law and are law-abiding citizens. But if you had to ask me the majority of that community, I would say there's issues in that majority. I would say probably, I don't know, 60, 40, maybe. I mean, and think about all the people that are well-behaved, all these individuals in the black community that get a bad rap and get a bad name because of these people that are misfits and don't follow laws. I mean, that could be said about any race. I get maybe somebody wants to make that argument to me, but come on, guys. I mean, if you make up 12% of the population and you commit over 50% of the crimes, it's not white people who are the enemy. I mean, come on. Come on, guys. And even a lot of my black friends agree with me, and they're, they don't like what's going on. They don't, they don't, you know, and Barack Obama did not represent or properly, um, you know, monitor the black community well. I mean, he really put them in a bad – all they see, though, I mean, you know, the, the ones that voted for him, all they see is color, and it's sad. They don't want to look at policy. You know, all they think is we got the first black president. In reality, he's not the first black president. Uh, you know, he had a white mama, and, you know, he was raised in a white neighborhood. Uh, I don't know how you can identify with a black community when, when you were coddled and, and raised in luxury. And I'm not hating anybody who's raised in luxury, but like I said, like I said earlier in the show, don't pretend to be something you're not. Don't. It's annoying. Um, okay. Um, so I, I want to I talk briefly about, you know, um, just corruption in, in Iowa. You know, here, here's something that 
happened last night in Iowa. You know, these people, they want to take over the country. They, they want to they be, they want to win elections, but they can't even monitor a caucus. I mean, I, everybody was making fun of this last night. You had Chris Matthews, Whiffle Ball on MSNBC, saying, turn out the lights. This is a joke. The guy in the White House is laughing at these people. I mean, wow, wow. And all the, the votes that went missing, all the secrecy, all the mystery. And then I started reading reports, and it all makes sense. The woman is so bitter and so envious and so jealous that she's not in power. But a Hillary Clinton operative, the former manager of her campaign or something, was, was in charge of the app that, that was counting ballots and, and supposed to you know, be in charge of this entire election at the Iowa caucus. And I, I build apps. You know, I, know, I own an app company. I know exactly how they operate. And you know, technology is very tricky. You know, you got to be very careful when you're building stuff. And you know, there, there, there's <laughs> there's a lot of things that you know, especially when millions of people are using it, that that can happen. And uh, you know, think about this. You know, all the all the people that are are rigging this. I mean, the DNC, just like they did in 2016. And I'm no Bernie fan. I don't like Bernie, but you know what? I, I feel bad for him because he's getting screwed. You know, they're purposely taking it away from him again, um, and they, they want somebody who's part of the establishment. The, the outsider narrative drives them crazy. They can't take it. And Mayor Pete Buttigieg, however you pronounce his name, he is one of the top investors of the Iowa caucus. And think about this. He declared victory even before all the ballots were in. He gave 40000 to that app. And, you know, th- this guy uh, is in bed with a lot of large corporate donors. He's the type that uh, is that puppy dog. He'll do what they say. But think about that. Think about if a Republican gave all this money to this app, and then they, they declared victory even before the results are in. Telling me this is not a rigged system? I mean, seriously. And, you, you know, um, I mean, just from polling alone. Bernie should have had that by a long shot, Iowa. I mean, we've, we've been hearing about it for months. You know, we all know how pivotal and how important uh, Iowa is. You know, it's where it starts. It's where the cam- campaign, I mean, you, you need, you know, it, it looks really good if you win uh, Iowa for, for, the long, for the long term of, of your candidacy. But, yeah, I, I just. I, I, I'm, I'm loving it, though. I'm loving the – it's amusing seeing all these people fight with each other. And the Democratic Party is not on board with one another. There are many Bernie supporters. I think there, there was a poll that recently came out. Over 50 percent of Bernie supporters said if Bernie's not the nominee, they're staying home. <laughs> you talk about division. You talk about separation. You talk about – wow. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, that, think about how big Trump will win. That's why the DNC is – I mean, they're scared. They're scared because even Barack Hussein Obama came out and talked about the, how worried he was and anxious he was that Bernie was gaining all this ground. A lot of people have come out and talked about it. Bloomberg, guy has all this money. Just because he's a billionaire, he can get on the stage. I, I really believe that. I mean, think about how late Bloomberg got in, and now a lot of certain people are saying he could be the favorite. It was, it, it's all set up. Come on. Just like they gave it to Hillary. 
Hillary was no way more popular than Bernie. We saw Bernie rallies back in 2016, way bigger than, you know, Hillary rallies. Not, not Trump size, but still, nonetheless. So, you know, it's, it, it really, and in RNC, I mean, we're seeing right now with all the division in the Democratic Party, in a non-election year, we just saw record fundraising numbers. Think about that. A non-election year, we're seeing records. If that's not any indication, then I don't know what is. And all these people that keep, you know, and, and a lot of Democrats are mad at Mayor Pete. A lot of Democrats don't want Mayor Pete. They think he's a phony. I would say most Democrats at this point are so focused on Bernie. I've never, that fan base, whether you love it or not, it's dedication, it's passion. And, you know, I don't agree with anything he says, but at least he's always been the same in terms of his stance. He's never really flip-flopped. He's always kind of been the same socialist that he's always been. And Donald Trump's approval ratings at this point, with all the division in the Democratic Party and how they just failed on impeachment, I mean, he's got the highest ever with Gallup. And we all know Gallup, you know, leans left a little bit, so a little biased, but uh, that's not any indication as well. I mean, uh, you know, he's at 49% in Gallup. In an honest poll, he's probably at over 60 or 70 in certain ways. All right, we're going to get into this impeachment stuff, but I, I want to bring up the last small thing before, um, before we get into this impeachment stuff. Uh, the Super Bowl over the weekend. You know, and I, I get it. You know, people are, people are upset. You know, little children are watching and, you know, here's the here's the problem with that is that i these kind of things we've got such bigger fish to fry in our country i don't care if shakira or j-lo's shaking their ass on the stage you know and and here here's another thing you know people people are hypocrites i i I strongly agree with that because the same people that are talking about this didn't say anything when adam levine had his shirt off last year And we've seen so many worst Super Bowl halftime shows. And people on both sides of the aisle are are complaining about it. And then here's what really bothered me. People on the left went as far as saying that it's racist, that people that disagree with it, you know, they're racist because these people are women of color. They always have to jump to that. You know, I get people have certain guidelines and certain things that – you know that they that they expect to see at a, at a sporting event on TV, and they they don't want to subject subject this kind of negativity to their to their children. But I mean, guys, we saw Janet Jackson show her 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 tits when Justin Timberlake. We all remember that it was like 20 years ago. But we, I mean, come on. You know, I I just think people's priorities and and the getting offended so easily and. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say – I'm going to say it's a little distasteful. I get it. Uh, but, you know, people watch porn. People go to strip clubs. People, guys do locker room talk, you know. And, and even, even, the, even the women, the mothers that are complaining about this are, are hypocrites because they talk like this in their house or they dress a certain way. I mean, I just – if somebody's going to give any sort of lectures on something like this, then actually be a saint in your own life. And I'm not J-Lo. I'm not a fan of J-Lo and Shakira. I don't care. I don't look at this as something I want to go talk about in headline news or make a big fuss over. 
you know, and a lot of these different cultures, don't forget, they've got a lot of provocative dance moves. I don't, you know, I, I, I don't think there's necessarily any kind of malicious intent by all of it. I just think, you know, and the Super Bowl knew what they were doing. I mean, they knew. I think in a lot of ways, they do this stuff for attention. They do it for attention. Um, okay. But, yeah, you know, and just, you know, yeah, it, it, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't like, and I've talked about this on my show many times, I don't like how the Super Bowl and all these NFL and these NBA organizations get political. I mean, I like to watch sporting events. I don't want to hear about the social justice warriors. I don't want to hear about problems that don't affect 99% of the population. I, you know, I, come on. I mean, get, get it straight. Let's, let's watch sports. Let's just keep it at that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> impeachment nonsense. So the day has come, everybody. President Donald J. Trump is acquitted. We knew this obviously was going to happen. Uh, nothing was ever going to come. Uh, them impeaching Trump. It was a partisan witch hunt circus hit job. And, uh, you know, there, there's nothing – the Democrats, you know, they they did a bad job, if you ask me. You know, they could have been at least better actors. I mean, this was just a, a terrible Hollywood movie set, like a B movie. I mean, they couldn't they couldn't save their lives. I mean, they were, you know, secret meetings, you know, witnesses that were stars that were supposed to crack the code, but half of them didn't even know what was going on during the call. Some of them were eating and drinking wine. You know, the lack of credibility. And, and you know what? You have even people like Alan Dershowitz or Turley that did not vote for the president, and they, they think this is just beyond ridiculous that this ever even happened. You know, don't ever forget, the only thing they had that was somewhat sufficient was and, and was not hearsay, was when they – when uh, what's his name? I, somebody will remind me of his name in a second. But the guy that approached Trump after he heard the call, and he said, Mr. President, what do you want from Ukraine? Uh, and Mr. Trump's response, I want nothing, no quid pro quo. Everything else is hearsay. Everything else is opinion. Everything else is hate. Everything else is a, a selfish bias. You know, think about this. They waited over 30 days before they sent the articles of impeachment over. If that's not a partisan witch hunt hit job, then I don't know what is. And, you know, they, they are, they're always fixated on another narrative. Russia didn't work. Racism doesn't work. Ukraine doesn't work. You know, they, they want to talk to John Bolton. They want to talk to all these people that have no relevance or hold no merit in their talking points. You know, the, the, this is – I've never seen, like I said, and I'll say it again, hostility or animosity uh, to this level. I mean, what, what else? You know, and this is all about feelings over facts, and they're underestimating. You know, the Democrats said they wanted a fair trial, and they got all the time in the world. You know, they got all those witnesses. We didn't get, we didn't get any witnesses. We got none. And we saw how popular Bill Clinton became after they tried to impeach him and failed in the 90s. Democrats won back the House, and they got more seats in the Senate. I, I see a similar situation happening in 2020. Republicans are going to win back the House. They're going to get more seats in the Senate. And you know what the saddest part is? 
Democrats, especially the far left ones, are still under the impression that there's going to be a, a landslide blue wave because they failed to convict, convict an innocent president. You know, they, Trump could cure cancer, and it would not be enough. We all know why they're trying to get rid of him, because he's giving power back to we the people. He's exposing the swamp. All these special interest groups are getting exposed. You know, D.C. is not the same, and uh, you got to love it. you got to love how Trump never backs down. He does what he wants. He says what he wants, and he's pro-policy. He'll work with whoever as long as it makes sense. You know, and I'm just seeing all these examples of nothing but BS, you know, and and don't forget, you know, the, these people, these people are not going to stop. As long as they have power in the house, the impeachment's going to continue. It's going to continue. They're going to keep leading us down this road. And here's the craziest part. There's so many people in the Democratic Party at this point that still believe, even after three years of nothing, nothing burgers, they still believe Trump is this criminal and this bad person. That's the kind of influence these leftist politicians have over these people and the media. Guys, wake up. Wake up. You know, I don't know, and it's never going to be enough. As Trump says, and I've said this all the time, they'll never be satisfied. We've given them total transparency. They've seen everything they've needed to see. And you know what? I'm pretty disappointed in scumbags like Mitt Romney. Let's face why he voted to convict the president, because he's, he's bitter and he's jealous that Trump's in there and it's not him. Mitt Romney is a pathetic wimp and an ex- he should not belong. He does not belong in our party. He's a rhino. He's a pig. And he's, and you know what? He gets all emotional up there. He likes to practice. He likes, he likes to be this pretend, so phony. And you know what? He really, he wanted to do that just to make things more complicated and just to be an asshole. Think about why he did it. He didn't want it to be unanimous. He wanted to be the guy that disrupts the process. And I'm disappointed in Manchin. I'm disappointed. You know, and Kristen Cinema, my home state senator, who's actually voted with the president about 70% of the time. She's actually voted with the president just as much as McSally. McSally's in our party. And, uh, you know, I think this is going to affect her in terms of reelection. I, I, I don't think it was a smart move because there's a lot of you know, moderate, moderate Dems in this state that are against it, uh, vote that voted for her. And she, you know, in my strong opinion, I mean, I still agree with some of the stuff she does, but it, it hurts. She lost, she lost a little of my support, actually a lot of my support just by, just by voting to convict, because you know what, in my opinion, that's what a spineless person does. You know, she was backed into a corner, no backbone. Same with Joe Manchin. You know, Joe Manchin tries to you know, portray himself as this Ted Kennedy bulldog Democrat. And he's from, he's in a red state, West Virginia, and he tries to, you know, be, be friends with the president and try to suck up to him, but does not have his back at all. He doesn't. This proved it right here. 
disproved the entire situation. And, you know, it's disappointing because I actually liked Manchin. I actually thought he had some good stuff going for him. I, I think he's one of the last honest Democrats, to be honest with you. But, yeah, it's one of those things. Um, let's start. Uh, let's start with Todd. Todd, go ahead. Hey, Rory, appreciate you, man. You you went on a uh, a good tangent there for a little while. I thought you were gonna, I thought you were going to go have an aneurysm or something. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, you unpa- unpacked a lot of stuff there. You know, uh, you know, I I, I do want to find out what's the next scandal going to be. You know, what's the next sheet that's going to drop? Is it going to be like I said, China or North Korea, or or is it something that we've just not heard of quite yet? That's just going to be so good that, you know, we, we have to tune in one more time to figure out, you know, what, what are the facts, you know, and, and why should we be outraged, you know. So I, I'm waiting to see what the next scandal is going to be. It's going to be good. It's going to be good uh, daytime TV, of course. It's going to be good for the, uh, the evening pundit shows as well. We know that. Uh, and, of course, MSNBC, CNN, all, the, all those fake news shows that they or channels, they, they need all the ratings that they can get, that's for sure. Uh, like you said before, Rachel Ray, you know, out – Performs them on a, on a lot of nights though, and, that, and that's actually true. I, I've checked that. I've checked that out. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, that's that's kind of something I'm, I'm looking forward to, to figuring out what the hell is going to go on there. Uh, you know, and let's think about this. And I, I said this earlier. You know, Pelosi and her crew completely unhinged. I posted this yesterday on Facebook. You know, uh, this was essentially a patriotic speech. You know, like I said, 85% bipartisan. Uh, you know, and of course the Democrats they couldn't even honor you know the, our first responders. And our military heroes, right. you know, the people that have died in the service right. to the country. Yes. You know, it, like I right. said, it honored a hundred, hundred plus yes. year old guy and his great yes. grandson who who wants to go into right. space force. You know, and, and then of course you know, so Todd, Todd, look at how bitter they are. I mean, Nancy Pelosi rips up an entire speech that was dedicated to pro America. I mean, these people mm-hmm. are all about power. They don't care about sincerity. They don't care about you know helping what's best for the country. These people are anti-Trump, and they'll do whatever. He, you know, anything he does that's good, they're against it. You know, it, it, it's come to a point where when is enough enough? Because that speech last night was so perfect, like you said. It was bipartisan. Um, you know, he, he touched on so many issues, shined light on things that Democrats, you know, right. were in favor of. Were in favor of. I mean, you know, I don't think you can get any more human or, or any more – or, or any more decent or, or great than that. I mean, he really laid it all on the table. He really gave us what we wanted. And there's even people that would have never supported Trump that are blown away by his speech and like, wow, like voters. I mean, this really, yeah. I think it strongly yeah. helped. I think it really, I think it's his best one to date out of all the three years. Yeah, you're, you're correct. I'll touch on uh, about you know people who would never vote for him that's going to vote for him here in just a second. But think about it. The kid who got the, uh, the opportunity scholarship, you know, I, I heard through the grapevine that you know, that family wasn't a Republican family or a Trump-supporting family. But all of a sudden they still, they still got the opportunity scholarship because Trump was like, this, this family's in need. And, of course, you know, they wanted to ensure that uh, the, this kid had an opportunity uh, for the future. You know? So he, he didn't play you know, to his base in, in that respect and give it to somebody who supports him uh, from, from what I hear. So I, mean, I, don't know, I don't know how true that is. Uh, you know, and another thing is, you know, he uh, honor, honored, you know, whether you like Rush Limbaugh or not, whether you think he's a little, little too much for your taste, uh, 
you know, and Rush can be a little over the top at times. Uh, but here's a guy who got this Presidential Medal of Freedom because of the charity work that he's done. You know, think about it, tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars to charity, and a lot of times out of his own pocket and the goodness of his own heart. Whether or not you, you like him and his politics is besides the point. That's not why he got it. And, you know, and I thought the Democrats were going to be pissed off because the, uh, the First Lady was the one who presented it. You know, they're going to be like, oh, well, the First Lady is not the president, so she shouldn't have given the award. I'm waiting for them to start an investigation on that. Of course, it's at the president's discretion anyway uh, of who, who gets the award, so they really have no say. But they'll, they'll, they'll try to cook something up as far as that's concerned, I think. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, 85 percent bipartisan. Um, why, why such why so so much outrage? And of course, you can't stand for things of you know getting African Americans, getting uh, disabled veterans, get, getting disabled Americans up off of poverty, get them into the workforce, getting people off of food stamps. You know, of course, what, what did Ocasio Cortez say? Uh, she said, you know, he, he's kicking basically kicking people off of food stamps, and he's lifting people up out of poverty so they don't have to be relying on you or me or the government or anybody else for their next meal. Uh, they can they they know where the next meal is going to come from. It's going to come from their from the, from the labors of their hard work, if you were the money that they've earned going out into you know the, the workforce and actually providing for their family. To me, you know th- that's something that would uh, you know uh, make me feel really good. It's a point of pride to be able to provide for your own family, not not sit there and, and rely on somebody else. To me, you have to hang your head low. Uh, and I've seen it, you know countless times, you know where you where you try to help people who are less fortunate or people that are you know homeless or what have you. Uh, a lot of times you'll see them kind of hold their head down. They, they're always looking at the ground, and you know they, they they really feel bad that they have to ask you for for something. And you, know, you don't mind helping people, but you know if you gave somebody a job and said you know gave them a purpose in life, you know they 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 their outlook on on this world would turn around completely. Uh, and of course the Democrats they couldn't even you know recognize that they had to poo poo that. And with regards to, to people who wouldn't vote for President Trump, I was speaking to a guy last night, uh, a, fr- a friend of mine. He's uh, lives in Hawaii. Uh, you know he's a big, he's a big Bernie supporter. He you know thinks Bernie's getting screwed by the DNC, the mainstream. He, he despises Hillary and the the mainstream Democrat Party. Uh, but here's a guy. He's a Marine. Uh, he's he's a rational guy, so he's not not like some crazed Bernie supporter. Uh, but he said, you know, uh, the way they're screwing Bernie over, and of course the way they're doing Trump, he he's just going to end up uh, coming out voting for for Trump if if Bernie's not the nominee. And of course, I dare say that there's probably you know thousands, if not tens of thousands, of Bernie supporters that will come out and, and protest vote again, or come out and vote for this, uh, you know, the the idea of. Uh, nationalism over uh, globalism, uh, and they'll vote for Trump again. I, I do believe that that's going to happen because uh, you know Bernie's not going to get the nominee anyway because they're going to make sure that they screw him. And if you look in Iowa right now, look who's in there counting the votes. All of a sudden, the DNC showed up and took over. So that tells me that there's some, something afoot. And of course, you have this guy uh, of Pete Buttigieg, a mayor of a you know a, a moderate-sized town in Indiana. All of a sudden, winning the Iowa caucus, and of course, maybe that just goes to show that Iowans are, you know, are not not ready for socialism. They're not ready for communism, uh, and of course, maybe they made the rational decision of somebody that's more in line with their values, someone that they maybe see as a more honest, a smart guy, military veteran, uh, who's uh, not Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders, or who's not tainted like, uh, you know, somebody like Joe Biden with with Hunter Biden and all the other uh, things that he got his fingers in with Burisma and all these other things. Uh, so. You know, at the end of the day, I think it's going to be rigged against Bernie. But you know, if you look at it from just being objective, I think Bernie probably did win the Iowa caucus, uh, but they're not going to give it to him in any way, shape, or form. That's my rant. (laughs) No, I agree. I agree. I know you got a lot of thoughts. I mean, I I talked about a lot of different things, and I know I know you've been paying 
close attention to so many different headlines. What What are your thoughts on some of the other stuff? Well, you know, like you said about the Super Bowl, you know, you should go into the Super Bowl kind of realizing that, you know, the halftime show is probably going to be uh, at least PG, PG-13, something like that, where, you know, it's probably not for your kids to watch, uh, you know. And, of course, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you, most people aren't necessarily taking their families to the Super Bowl anyway to watch it in person because uh, it just costs so doggone much, uh, you know, thousands of dollars for one ticket. So you're probably not taking, you know, your, your, your wife and five kids. You know, you're, you're probably going with some buddies or maybe it's just you and your wife or girlfriend or something like that. Uh, speaking from, you know, being a man, uh, but, you know, uh, at the end of the day, you know, if you, if you don't like it, don't watch it. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's, there, there should be some sort of disclaimer perhaps just, just out, of, out of a courtesy uh, from the NFL that, that they throw up there before the halftime show starts. Uh, you know, and, of course, Jay-Z, he said he, didn't, uh, he wasn't protesting the national anthem. He was just focusing on the national – he was focusing on, on the performer, I guess, is a Lovato who, who sang the national anthem. And, of course, he said, my real protest was the halftime show. I'm like, okay. So one way or another, you, you were really trying to send a message to somebody out there, probably uh, the good old Republicans or conservatives, and one way or another, you, you were trying to stick it in their eye. And, of course, you knew they are probably going to be outraged at, at you know, what went on at the halftime show. Uh, but, again, you know, I'd like to see maybe a dis- disclaimer. Uh, you know, don't let your kids necessarily watch something like that if, if, you, if you, you know, uh, think it's a, the wrong message. Uh, and at the same time, if you don't like it, you know, turn off and, and, and move on. Uh, but, of course, you watch any, any, any sitcom or even watch a Disney or Nickelodeon show because, you know, my, my nephew and my niece is growing up. We, I would watch shows with them, and there's always an innuendo in there somewhere. There's always something that an adult watching it can be like, oh, wow, I can't believe they said that. And, of course, a kid is going to go right over their head. But, you know, they're always throwing things in, in there to, to, to try to either indoctrinate or, or to, try to be, uh, try to be funny at the end of the day. No, I agree. I agree. I agree 100. percent And uh, you got you got any other thoughts? No, I mean that, those you know those are things that just popped out at me as you as you were talking. Uh, you know, and you, you talked about the African American community. You know that uh, you know that is a disproportionate number of people in the African American community that are committing crimes. Uh, you know, but but a lot of that stems from you know de- Democrats and, and the Great Society, and of course you know you're forcing a lot of people onto these government programs and and welfare programs. Uh, where you don't have a two-parent home, uh, you know. Of course, that was kind of by design. And then, of course, at the end of the day, what happens uh, in, in communities where there's a lot of broken homes? You, you tend to see more crime, uh, and that, that, that cuts across all races, of course. Uh, you know, a, a strong two, two-family home usually is, you know, your kids are more successful, uh, and usually more successful uh, than than the subsequent or previous generations. Uh, you know, and that's kind of the way things go. And of course, kids are more likely to stay in school, stay off of drugs, and stay away from gangs and crime and things like that. And of course, whenever you live in communities like that, of course, it's the whole broken windows. You know, uh, things go go spiral uh, spiral downward after that. Uh, you know, so I, I would love to see you know more two parent homes in African American community, and of course, less crime. Of course, we could do a lot of things to reform criminal justice, uh, and uh, you know, do a lot of things where we're not going after some petty stuff. And and, and of course. Overcharging people, or necessarily, uh, you know, over uh, convicting or, or, or excuse me, uh, convicting them for uh, long sentences for for things that they probably shouldn't get convicted, uh, you know, for long sentences. Uh, you know, kind of look at it this way: if you're not going to uh, basically uh, put a white male in jail for two years or three years or four years for the same crime, you shouldn't put the African American or Hispanic American in, in the jail for for that same amount of time. 
Uh, I think it should be equitable across the board. Of course, at the end of the day, you know, you do the crime, you do the time. And I think the crime, or excuse me, the, the uh, punishment should to fit the crime, uh, and kind of not the other way around. No, I agree. I agree 100%. Um, very, very well said, Todd. Uh, thank you so much. Um, yes, sir. Yeah, I'll always, always love your insight. Um, let's go to uh, let's go to Michael Valsi. Michael, I know you've probably got a lot of thoughts. Go ahead. Yeah, sure do, Roy. Uh, you touched on a lot of subjects there, and uh, I, uh, I'd like to start out with uh, Kristen Cinema, for example. You mentioned her. I'm not quite as down on her as you seem to be tonight, and I'll tell you why, because watching the State of the Union, she was Johnny on the spot to stamp, stand up and applaud for the president at every turn. Yep. She got yep. through Which nothing. takes a lot of courage. And she deserves a, lot, a lot of credit for that, sitting next to Kamala Harris. And I think this vote, I'm not too distraught over the vote, only because it need, they needed 67 votes. So in order not to make your life miserable in the Democratic caucus or whatever, just go ahead and vote with the party. It wasn't going anywhere anyway. Uh, so with her and Manchin, I like Joe Manchin a lot, even though our philosophies are different politically. But I've always been a fan of Joe Manchin because I've always felt he was a middle-of-the-road guy. And she's proved that. I think I think uh, cinema's proved that. She proved it last night. In the face of all those Democrats and all their snobbish attitudes and snide remarks, she stood up and applauded when it was appropriate. And, I, you know, i got to give her credit for that. With regards to Romney, right. let's not lose sight of one major fact here. I, I agree with all the sentiment that he's, he's jealous that President uh, Trump was elected president. He wasn't. You know, I can't help it if he sold his soul when he ran against Obama. And that's exactly what happened if you do a little research. But understand this, Romney has a close advisor that's on the board of Burisma with Hunter Biden. Yep, yep. Now, if that doesn't speak volumes, I don't know what does. So I don't want to say anything more about that. I want to get into the impeachment just a little bit. I don't think the impeachment was a surprise. It certainly wasn't a surprise to President Trump. He knew it was coming. And he knows yeah. he thinks it's going to happen again. I mean, if you get in his inner circle or talk to people that are close to him, They'll tell you that. So what you do is you use it to your advantage. You know they'll never have the votes to impeach you. So what you do is you use your brilliant legal team to expose their agenda. And you bring out the flaws. And I thought, the, I thought they did a marvelous job. You mentioned the, uh, the fact that they, they did the impeachment, then they held the impeachment articles, right? Well, yeah. you know, because of, to them it was critical that he be removed. So we had to do this right away. So they couldn't wait for even though their subpoenas were invalid, and a lot of people don't know that, the subpoenas were invalid because they never had an entire vote of the House of Representatives that invalidated the subpoenas they issued. So the Senate knew that. The Senate knew those subpoenas were invalid. They could have subpoenaed Bolton in the House. They didn't want to wait the time, and that was their excuse. Well, it would have taken too long to go to the third branch of government, the judicial branch, and have them decide. But yet you held the articles of impeachment. The other thing they did, I think that really hurt them, was they held the 18th transcript, which was from uh, the uh, Inspector General Atkinson. Right? That came out in there, that they did not release that in the Senate trial. What do you hold? Why did you hold it back? Because it had actually exonerated Trump and showed the collusion between Schiff 
the whistleblower and staffers and shifts office. Uh, and you're right. Uh, the only person that was a fact witness of any sort that they produced was Ambassador Sondland. And he actually said the president wanted no quid pro quo. So I thought the president's legal team did a, did a tremendous job, especially uh, exposing the Biden corruption, the whole Burisma thing. I think it woke a lot of people up. And uh, I look for it to happen again. So uh, with regards to the uh, L- LGBT thing and the transgender thing, you know, I read a couple of good articles here recently Parents really need to find out what their children are being taught in school. You know, I understand with working parents, both parents working and, you know, they, the parents may not be quite inv- involved, but they really need to take charge of their kids' education and find out what they're learning in school. And the only way you're going to put a stop to this is for the parents to be vocal. And in cases where we've seen parents stand up and go to the school board and complain, we started to see small changes a little at a time. But I'm tired of this agenda being pushed with nobody nobody standing up for it, which brings me to the Super Bowl because, you know, I disagree a little bit on the Super Bowl, uh, Rory, because the media has control of the liberal, liberals have control of the media and the entertainment industry. And every year that goes by, this Super Bowl halftime show gets a little bit more raunchy. Right, And it's all pushing their agenda. It plays right in the hands of this sexualism they're trying to impose upon our children. You know, there's a lot of kids, whether you realize it or not, that sit there and watch the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl ain't at 10, isn't at 10 o'clock at night. You know, it's in prime time, 5, 5.40 in the evening, right? At least my time. I, I was really disappointed by that, uh, extremely. And, I, and, I'm, and I think it's time that we stand up and fight that. I really do. I, I think the the fact they have a handle on the media and the entertainment industry, and they can exploit their agenda through every form of entertainment that we seem to have. You know, they're not only indoctrinated in the schools, but they're indoctrinating in your home. So that kind of upset me a little bit. Um, regards to the border wall, I have one main point I want to make on the border wall. There's no doubt that the wall's making progress. And I think now that he has all the funding he needs, you're going to see it going up faster. Think about this. Think about all the people that didn't know who the president was. They knew Donald Trump as a businessman. They never really elected a guy that was a non-political person before. But they voted. a lot of people voted for the president because of his promise of a border wall. Numerous people. And to deliver on that promise, it's not only proof to those people, but it's proof to the skeptics and people that may not have voted for the president. Hey, this guy delivers. I can physically see the border wall. I can see that happening, right? I think that's helped them immensely. I really do. With regards to the State of the Union, Roy, I, I'm going to tell you, I really thought it was the best State of the Union I've seen in maybe in my lifetime, and I've watched a lot of them. Even for presidents, I really had disdain for. But uh, he did a marvelous job of exposing the radical agenda. I mean, the guy's a stable genius. I mean, you think about how he did it. 
he brought out uh, sanctuary cities when he called out California. You know, he uh, he said right in the chambers, 130 people in these chambers voted to give health care to illegals. Right? Uh, he has general. I mean, he has a Juan Guaido there to prove socialism. You know, to degrade or denounce socialism. And say we'll never be a country of socialists. Abortion with the girl, little girl that was born at 21 weeks. School choice with the scholarship he gave out. This was one of the most impactful speeches I've seen a president give, especially at the State of the Union. Uh, it was remarkable. The uh, the Iowa debacle is. Uh, if that doesn't show, show who the Democrats truly are, I don't know. But the fact that DHS offered to review that app for for uh, bugs and whatever, and the, the DNC said, no, we don't need you to do that, right? And then two payments uh, equaling 40, over $40,000 by Buttigieg. Don't forget, Sanders also donated to that company too now, that app company. He just didn't donate as much. Uh, the largest corporate donor was George Soros. I don't think that comes as a surprise to anybody. Um, I think, and I, and I want to touch on this a little bit. They want to stop Bernie at all costs. Bernie is where yep. they want to be. He's where they eventually want to be. Think about all the years that they've started this indoctrination in the school. They've t- taken this Alinsky playbook. And little by little, over year upon year, they've instituted a little more of this agenda, right? And it's gotten pretty radical, but they're not where Bernie is. The other thing about Bernie is he's uncontrollable. You look at anybody else running for president on the Democratic ticket so far, they could be led around by a string. They're puppets for whatever the Democrats want to do. Uh, Bernie's not that guy. Bernie's independent. He's run on the same agenda every year, forever and ever and ever. His philosophy has never changed, right? He's a communist. You know, he might try to pass himself off as a socialist. He honeymooned in in uh, Russia. I mean, he, there's been there's no doubt his history is there, and they're they're afraid of that. So I think where we're heading with the Democratic Party is I think we're headed for a broker convention. And I really think that it's going to probably wind up being Bloomberg because Bloomberg can be led around by the nose too, and he has the money. Because right now I think the Democratic Party suffer. Elizabeth Warren, she has so much uh, dissension amongst her own staffers because they're aggravated with her because she won't get off the LGBTQ thing. They're aggravated. She doesn't want to talk about anything else. So I think uh, there's a lot of animosity there. I think her campaign is dying with with the others that are down there at the bottom. I don't think Buttigieg is going anywhere. Uh, I think people see through him. I think all you got to do is take a look at what kind of a mayor he was in South Bend and you realize that, uh, that he's not capable of running the United States. Uh, he's just another person that would be led around. But uh, with that, uh, that's about all I have, Roy. 
Paul, I do want absolutely, to touch on one absolutely, other very well mind. said as usual. Uh, thank you. I, I always love your insight. Um, but no, I agree. I agree with you. Uh, very, very. I, want, uh, I wanted to touch very, on. Very. I wanted to touch ahead. on one thing, if I could. Yeah. If you have a minute, I'd like to touch on one more thing. Yeah, go ahead. This this inner city thing. You know, I worked in in the inner city. Uh, you know, in uh, a city that's predominantly black. And I can tell you, I was very close to a lot of people there. These people don't want to live with this crime. They don't want that. They want law enforcement to go in there and do their job. And they expect that the local governments will support that local law enforcement. I've had people invite me to their homes for dinner. I've sat across the table from them. I've, list, I've listened to their complaints. They don't like this. The problem is they don't know anything better than to vote Democrat. But the president has shown them something different. I'm going to tell you right now, he's going he's gonna to set some records with the, uh, with the black vote that he gets, and probably the Hispanic vote as well, but the black vote that he gets in this upcoming election. I think people are going to be astonished. Because these black people, a lot of them, you know, a lot of them can't move out of the out of the situation that they're in. They can't pack up and move away from it. So they're stuck where they are. They want their their uh, environment to be safe. And you know, other than the fear of uh, repercussion, they're more than willing to give you information. The problem is we're tying the hands of law enforcement, uh, and that's all part of the radical agenda. Is you know to create anarchy, and you mentioned creating all these groups. That's all. In, that's right out of rules for radicals to create these subgroups, have these some group subgroups at odds with each other, and as long as the people are at odds, we can have control. That's the philosophy. Yeah, I just want to defend the people in the inner cities. You know, they they don't want that crime any more than anybody else does. And uh, I feel sorry for them, and I and I really like to see the uh, law enforcement just defy these local administrations and get out there and, and, and make the places a safer place for these people to live. I agree. Uh, I that agree. was my rant. I'll what? just get off of it now. <laughs> Well, I, lo- I love it. I love everything you said, Michael. No, always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, everybody, uh, I'm going to take a quick commercial. We got a lot of great guests coming on tonight. We got Joseph Marino. We got Carlo C- Cavazzuti, who I'm very excited to talk about. We got Karen Ben Moyle coming on. We also have um, a lot of people. A lot of people. It's a big, big night. Jim Price, uh, Steve Latalupe. And um, yeah. Uh, Stay with us, though, everybody. We're going to go to a commercial real quick, and uh, we will be right back. This is The Rory Sauter Show. It is a beautiful night. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love, like chicken, shrimp, and cheese, just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat-iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Fridays, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. 
Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back. The Rory Sodder Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to it in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, the next, N-E-X, Gen, G-E-N, USA, dot com. Um, everybody, I, we, we have a lot of guests coming on. I, I'm going to get to everybody, I promise, but I want to welcome now, we have federal prosecutor and popular media commentator, Joseph Marino. Joseph, how are you? Rory, my friend, great to join you tonight. Well, glad you could join us. Always love having you on. you got great insight. I know you're doing a lot right now, and I know you've uh, been heavily focused, and your time has been invested in this whole impeachment scam. And good news today, the, the acquittal of Trump. And I know you've um, obviously been doing a lot of different legal analysis uh, for various networks. I saw you on CBS. I've seen you on other, other channels. Um, tell us, though, what, what's, what's, been, what's new? What's going on? 
You know, Rory, I mean, I I really feel very mixed about it because on the one hand, I mean, it's interesting and it's current events and everyone wants to talk about it. And I love giving my sort of as objective as possible views on things, going back to the Mueller probe and all that's gone on over the past few years. But at the same time, I'm really glad that it's over. I mean, this this has not been a good thing for the country. And sometimes I have to take a step back and say, you know, I hope by weighing in on these things, I'm adding some value. I'm perhaps giving a bit of a different perspective than a lot of folks you'll see on television. But hopefully I'm not adding to it at the same time. And I really, really hope it's behind us now. I, my fear tells me it's not and that the Democrats will not let this go. But at least for the time being, the impeachment and the trial is over. Absolutely. And, and obviously we know that the, you know, the whole situation uh, just was a disgrace. I mean, it was a joke. It was a partisan uh, hit job, and, and, you know, and uh, there, there's no really other way to explain it. But getting into, like, the specifics, what do you see as some of the most flawed uh, from, from how they went about things, the Democrats, you know, how – and just the media. I mean, what, what do you see? Because so many people are, are misinformed. You have all this hate and all this animosity, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that the, the Democrats, first off, they, they, they showed their cards very early in the fact that they wanted to pretend they were stoic and serious about this process. But when you, when right. you looked at them, they really couldn't hide the fact they were foaming at the mouth to impeach this president. And, yep. and I think it's hard to ignore – all that happened leading up to the Ukrainian issue and the two and a half years of the Mueller probe, which we now know was based on a faulty premise, you know, basically these hyped up FISA warrants, the James Comey leaks to trigger a special counsel, all of which found nothing, but then the very eager um, running to the cameras of Adam Schiff and other Democrats to say there's evidence of collusion even when Mueller was still doing his work. And then we find out there wasn't. And every leak that the media is so eager to hype up and say the walls are closing in and it's always the final chapter and the president's term is about to be over and he's about to be arrested. And how many times we heard that only to find out there was nothing there. I mean, it, it was premised on nothing, and they found nothing. So when you, when you look at all of that, and then you get to the Ukraine issue, which the president was very upfront about. I mean, he released that telephone transcript immediately and said, look, I have nothing to hide here. And then he gets on TV with the president of the Ukraine, and he said, I felt no pressure. There was nothing here. That should have been it. But the Democrats took that, spent months building it up, over complete Republican opposition, no broad support by the public. They kept going, they kept going, they kept going. And again, thank goodness it's finally over, but the time and the effort and the energy that was spent on this is unbelievable, and it has been bad for the country. It has caused or further caused division among us, and that's not a good thing. And I, I really hope Democrats tonight take a step back Think about what they've done, and before Jerry Nadler starts firing off subpoenas to John Bolton or anybody else because he wants to keep this going, I really hope they think real hard about what they've done the past three years. Yeah, and no, I agree. I agree with you 100%, and 
you know, you make a good point about how in reality, and we talked about this the other night, we don't, we, I mean, we just don't see it ending. As long as they have power, uh, they're going to try to keep taking him down. And here, here's, here's my question. What do you think their next fixation will be? What do you think they're going to try to get him for next? I mean, they're always obsessed with, a narrative that they know they can spin, that they know that will stick. I mean, we've seen it time and time again, and it, it's oh my god, it's so fake. Yeah, I mean, I I think they'll keep picking at this scab of Ukraine and John Bolton and Mick Mulvaney and whatever else they can get, because they really want to keep hammering Republicans on the the no witness and then the acquittal votes that they took. So they're going to keep saying, "Aha, look." If you know now we know this, and if you had only called those witnesses, things would have come out differently. So I think you'll see more of that. Unfortunately, the other issue I think we're going to see, unfortunately, is the president's tax returns, which I always thought was a real red herring, based in nothing but innuendo. But that issue is coming before the Supreme Court in the next few months. So I think you'll see a resurgence of that in the media. And what is the president hiding, and why won't he release his tax returns? And of course, we know you don't have to release your tax returns. That's an optional thing, and I don't blame him for not releasing his tax returns. Um, but I think that's the other issue we're going to start hearing about. And it's you know, look, it's a tedious based on nothing issue, but it gets them airtime, and it kind of provides this whiff of impropriety that Democrats love to keep perpetuating about this president. And, let, you know, let, let's, let's be real here. You know, in terms of these tax returns, I mean, has anybody ever looked at a billionaire's tax returns? It's extremely complicated, and I would say majority of people don't understand uh, what exactly – uh, everything entails in, in those documents, and here, here's, how, here's the issue is that they'll look at that, and because they don't understand, they'll try to say there's a, a big problematic issue with his, with his financials, but in reality, there isn't. I mean, they, he's a he's very smart businessman, you know, and I agree with him when he said, I try to pay as little taxes as possible, you remember? You know, because look at, look at all the money that's wasted, and you know, if, you, if you're good with money and you have the right people around you, you know, you can... You can see, you can you can pay very little. So uh, your thoughts, though? No, one I think is the embarrassment factor, right? They'll either try to show that he's too yeah. rich, or he's not rich enough, right? Or that he doesn't give right. enough to charity, or I mean, so there's sort of the the shaming public embarrassment portion of it. But also, you know, for someone like President Trump, who is the head of a private company, right? He's not a shareholder; he is the owner of yeah. a private company. Therefore, it's his his personal taxes will be intertwined with his company's taxes. And by releasing his tax returns, it will reveal a lot about his company that, frankly, the public doesn't need to know. I mean, it's a privately held company. So if the, the IRS looking at it is one thing, but for the Democrats to pick it apart, knowing the lack of self-control they have on Capitol Hill, and now you know they will get leaked to the media – I don't blame him right. one bit for not wanting to release this information. I mean, I think it's nuts that they tried for three years to force him to do it based on nothing other than, well, he might not have paid a lot of tax, so therefore we should get those tax returns. It is a completely bogus argument, and I hope he fights, yeah. and I hope the, the, the five conservatives on the Supreme Court see this for what it is, and they do not allow his tax returns to be forcibly released. And from a legal standpoint, you know, 
looking at it from that perspective, it really seems to me what the Democrats have done is beyond criminal. You know, you being a lawyer and, you know, having all this experience in the law field, I mean, how would you how would you deal with this if you were the Republicans after what we've been through? You know, just everything that they the, the crazy levels and extremes they've gone to uh, to try to frame this president. Well, I think one is to call out. As we're doing, as right shows like you, yours, and, and you yeah. know voices that we all have together to say to call this out and be like, look, this president has undergone abuse that no one in modern history has had to undergo. And I think you you kind of yeah. shine a spotlight on the fact that the Democrats are just pounding away; they have nothing, and yet they're trying to create anything they can latch onto to to try to perpetrate this. This narrative of a conspiracy or of criminality when it doesn't it's just not there. The second part though is I think we just got to keep winning, right? I mean, don't drop to their level. If the president and as he as he very ably communicated in his State of the Union last night, we have a great economy, we have a great military. He's cutting some historic trade deals with Canada and Mexico and China. I mean, we're safe, we're prosperous. Keep focusing on that. Be positive. Be a happy warrior. People like that. They don't like dour and sour and angry. They want happy and they want prosperous. And President Trump, he is really good at that. And I think if he and Republicans stick to a positive America first economic and military and cultural message, that will win the day. And people will continue to see like, my gosh, I'll take that over – the Democrat side, where they're all about investigations about nothing, churning, spending you know, god-awful amounts of time on things that go nowhere, and they are nothing but sour and angry. I agree. I agree. Very well said. Always a pleasure having you on, Joseph. Um, definitely get you back on soon. Tell everybody where they can connect with you, find all your work, all that good stuff. Sure. Uh, the name is Joseph Moreno, J-O-S-E-P-H. M-O-R-E-N-O. I've got a website. I've got a Twitter account. Please follow me. Connect with me. I love feedback, whether it's good or bad. I'll always interact with you and be respectful. And Rory, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's always a pleasure. Well, I always love having you on. Thank you, my friend. Uh, you, you always give great insight. We'll talk to you soon. Good night. All righty. Um, I also want to introduce to the show, I believe he's with us. I want to make sure, I believe we have doctor and pastor, Steve LaTulip. Steve, are you with us? Yes, Rory. Today I'm with you. Thank you. And How are you, my friend? Great Did I pronounce your last name right? Yes, LaTulip. It's the tulip in French, so LaTulip. <clears throat> exactly. Perfect. Per- perfect. Um, well, your first time here, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Glad you could join us. Okay, well, thank you very much, and I must say uh, I did listen to your entire show last week, and it was such a pleasure to hear uh, some really good people, some good sound patriots uh, with their feet on the ground speaking, so I'm very much uh, happy to be a part of the team here. Uh, Right now, I'm still a practicing uh, family physician. I do half of my practice uh, includes pain and addiction medicine. Uh, I've had a heavy focus on that. I'm currently practicing in Oregon which is one of the crisis states, if you will, with regard to the um, so-called crisis uh, addiction problem, opioid crisis. 
Um, I am a retired uh, Air Force officer. I was uh, served as a navigator on the KC-135 tanker. And then further uh, after that, I flew fighters with the Idaho Air National Guard, uh, flying the RF-4C, the Phantom, uh, which is the reconnaissance version of that. And uh, it was after that I actually I actually strafed the Boise Bobber College as I was attending there in Idaho. And then uh, eventually went on to Cincinnati Bible Seminary. Uh, so I had some theology background. Um, most people actually don't know how to take me. I mean, how does a guy flying a phantom uh, overfly the Boise Bible College, take a photo of that? And uh, everybody's asking, uh, Philip, who in the world are you anyway? You know. Um, but anyway, it's been fun. My latest adventure, um, I uh, recently just uh, wrote a book uh, and published that. That is a book called Unity Without Compromise, A Biblical Basis for Christian Union. And um, I, I'm quite eclectic, I guess, in my experience uh, traveling uh, through the world, flying the tankers and so forth. And um, I recently did get a Twitter account not too long ago. Uh, and I was very uh, excited about the patriotism that I see on Twitter. And I am very, um, very proactive as far as supporting my country, uh, being retired Air Force. Uh, I guess once you're um, a military man and a warrior, you never give that up. So I really do push it. And um, I really have my finger on the pulse because I deal with a lot of the problems associated with a lot of the issues we're dealing with, and I could go down about different avenues right now. Uh, I would say the first thing, the priority is uh, the subject of my book. Uh, I was so pleased to hear our President Trump say that he wanted to bring prayer back in the schools. Uh, for many yep. years now, 20 to 30 years, we have had nothing but negative uh, evil indoctrination in our kids. Uh, in medicine, I deal with the uh, LGBTQIA problem uh, extensively. And, uh, in fact, there was uh, one gentleman last week who mentioned uh, that a lot of doctors are just swallowing this uh, nonsense hook, line, and sinker. And I think that is, to some extent, uh, a misperception because of the fake news uh, in the media. And um, uh, let me tell you, we have an awful lot of uh, fake news in medicine as well. When I read a medical journal right now, I have to really sort through the nonsense because so much of it is uh, politically biased and on the wrong side as far as I'm concerned. Um, when I look at the big picture, however, I mean, I've been in some of these communist countries, uh, socialist countries. I've seen the poverty, the corruption, and I know that we definitely don't want to go there. Um, as I talk to people, see the problems that I deal with, um, I, I see a one unifying thread, and um, that has been my impetus, and that has been to just get back to our roots. When we look at what this country was founded on, it was uh, founded on words of Scripture, on the Bible. If you go uh, back to Washington, D.C., you look at all the monuments, the buildings, you see nothing but Bible quotes and very noble statements, all uh, grounded in a Christian faith. And I am by all means uh, open to allowing anybody to practice uh, whatever religion they want to practice. But if we neglect the fact to understand exactly what Alexis de Tocqueville uh, 
quoted in his book when he came to look at the great experiment that we had uh, going on in democracy, as he called it, in our free republic, he was very astounded to find the one unifying factor is that everybody uh, had a Christian faith or at least a basis for that that uh, ran throughout everything political, and yet they were separate, and that was a very good thing. And I firmly believe that if we cannot get back to our roots with that, then I, our country is doomed. Just as the Tuckerville said, he said that if, uh, if Christianity goes by the wayside, then there is no way that we can have a free republic. And um, I'm very convinced that that is true, and hence I wrote my book, Unity Without Compromise. In my theological training, I focus uh, just solely on the Bible, no man-made nonsense, and that gets me into trouble sometimes. Uh, I was very heavily uh, interested in Bible interpretation, so I studied the languages uh, quite in-depth and enjoyed it very much. And what we have in America today, even in what we call Christianity, we have many false beliefs, uh, although they are popular beliefs, among Christians uh, who think that what they are believing or what they are being taught in the pulpit is actually biblical, when in fact it is not. And that's exactly what I talk about in my book. Uh, this would not be something that is uh, going to be easily swallowed a lot of people. In fact, I, I definitely do not want to distribute this book in my clinic. I don't want to offend people because it's not for the immature person who really doesn't have a love for the Bible and for God. And I, I firmly believe that if we don't get back to those roots uh, to make the scripture uh, as our guiding light in daily living, um, then it's all over. The party is open. We might as well turn out the lights because that is where it all started. And that is the only system that can sustain a free republic because it's based on looking out for the other guy on practicing uh, the golden rule, doing to others the way you'd like to be treated. Um, so I'm very excited about that. And of course, I, uh, I definitely have that incorporated into my practice. I actually write prescriptions for Bible verses uh, for people to read three times a day for the next month, see you in a month. And it's always had a very positive impact on people, even uh, the people who would absolutely reject Christianity uh, very much appreciated it. Uh, as far as other things, like I mentioned, the, um, the opioid crisis thing, uh, there's an awful lot of politics involved in that. I have done pain medicine since 2003 and addiction medicine since 2008. And in that time, I have had uh, no overdoses, no suicides. I have had absolutely zero problems with any of my chronic pain patients. And yet, uh, with a perfect record, I have a big target on my back because I live in Oregon for one. Uh, and that's because of a lot of distorted things like going back to the CDC guidelines uh, for opioid prescribing guidelines. Uh, there's a problem with uh, something, something called uh, the morphine milligram equivalence, MMEs, uh, and it is based on pure pseudoscience. There's no way you can uh, compare one opioid to another to determine what is the appropriate amount or the maximum that can be prescribed. So I have a feeling that eventually I'm going to be facing a little bit of a fight for that. And, of course, it's worth doing because I have hundreds of patients who now come to me even three and four hours away because they cannot find a doctor for their chronic pain. And across the country, yeah. suicide is ramping up big time among chronic pain patients that simply cannot find a doctor to prescribe something to them in a reasonable fashion. So, uh, 
awful lot of uh, pseudoscience uh, in medicine right now. Uh, what we really have had going on big time is a benzodiazepine crisis, and that was totally unrecognized. I published a medical right. journal in 2013 for that, and it's now just coming to be recognized for what it is, and that is horrible. The truth is the overdose deaths in America are due to polypharmacy. They're uh, occurring in drug addicts who want to have a good time, want to overdose. And uh, the problem where the, the data is very distorted is that uh, they will uh, do an autopsy on someone who has overdosed, and they might have uh, just a lethal dose of alcohol or benzos or cocaine or uh, methamphetamine in their system. But if there's even a trace, right. tiny little bit of opioid like hydrocodone, they are going to label that, quote, an opioid death. And that's just right. purely insane. And it's flagging, uh, you know, it's totally distorting the real problem. And the victims are the chronic pain patients. Every single patient in my practice right now who is on uh, any type of an opioid, they're on the right opioids at the right dose, and they're all functional, happy, working, enjoying their life because they got their life back from being prescribed the right things. And, of course, a big part of that right. is taking them off the wrong medications like the benzos. Benzos are absolutely horrible. They destroy people, and they do a lot of bad things uh, pertaining to even central pain, which is something very few people really understand, even in the medical community. No, so, I, I, Steve, uh, I, Steve, I could, Steve, I could talk about this issue with you all day long, and I, I want to. I want to ask you a lot of questions about this. Um, it, sure. it would take, you know, probably half an hour for everything I want to talk about in regards to this. Um, so okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you back on future episodes because um, the I drug epidemic that. is a big thing. The drug epidemic is a huge thing right now, and unfortunately, I have a few more guests I need to get to. Uh, but you can Absolutely. stay on with us. But, you can stay on with us if you'd like, but please tell everybody where they can get your book, where they can connect with you, find all your work, all that good stuff. Okay. Yes, my book uh, is called Unity Without Compromise, A Biblical Basis for Christian Union. It is on uh, Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Uh, in fact, it just came out. I have a, uh, a blog site that I'm setting up called unitywithoutcompromise.org, but that is not set up. Uh, I could be reached by my email, tulip at ymail.com, all lowercase letters. And, uh, of course, I do have a Twitter account I can be found on there. And um, I am very interactive, and I am very much for my country and for the good people that I have experienced on Twitter and, uh, and listening to here tonight. I love so it. I love glad it. Glad to be back um, with you. <clears throat> Yeah, we'll make you Steve. We'll make you a regular so you can come on often, and we'll definitely talk uh, about the drug epidemic, all that stuff. There's definitely a lot I want to get to uh, in terms of that. It just it would take it takes a long time and a lot of detail. Absolutely. And, but no, I love it. I love, I love everything you're doing. I love everything you're doing. I appreciate it. Uh, but stay with us. Uh, a lot more to get into. Okay. Thank you very much, Rory. I appreciate being with you. Absolutely. Um. Let's also uh, – I want to welcome to the show. I believe he's with us. We have best-selling author Carlo Cavazzuti. Am I, did I pronounce it right? You hit the nail right on the head, Rory. How are you, man? Welcome to the show. First time on. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I was a police officer for 25 years. Uh, after I retired, I went into PI work and bodyguard work. Um, you, you could say I was a bodyguard to the stars. I uh, 
was a driver for presidential candidate. I worked the Democratic National Convention in 2004, escorting all the big wigs in and out. Uh, I drove a lot of CEOs, uh, federal judges, prosecutors, so on and so forth. Um, so I, I've gleaned a lot of experience in my 45 years of uh, enforcing the law or being a private eye and, and bodyguard. I love it. I love it, man. Well, thank you for your service. I appreciate it. And, you know, thank uh, you. I, uh, yeah, you've, you've had quite the career and, and now, you know, you're writing books. And so tell, tell us about your, your job in law enforcement. Um, I worked in a police department outside of Buffalo, New York. I started, well, actually I started uh, with the sheriff's department in Erie County, New York. And I worked everywhere uh, in the department. I worked in the jail. I worked undercover. I worked on patrol. And then I transferred to a local department and, uh, you know, work patrol. And I was eventually promoted to a detective. I've investigated every type of crime from a stolen bicycle to a very bloody homicide. Um, I've worked with outlaw bikers. I've been held hostage by them. Uh, I've had guns put in my mouth. Uh, you name it, it's probably happened to me. Jesus. And, you, you know, probably when, when you're writing these books, does it kind of uh, – is it, is it certain scenarios that have happened in real life that you kind of write about and uh, – you know, just the experience. Wow. I, I, I write my books from what I know. And yes, some of the stuff is based on real life. Uh, some isn't. Um, mostly the bad guys are people I've made up. Some I've researched and put into my book. Uh, a lot of the good guys I draw from uh, my experiences as a law enforcement officer, a private investigator, and I just change your identities a little bit so somebody can't say, oh, I know exactly who this is. So, yeah, I, I, it, it sounds, I mean, just the, the kind of things you've, you've, you've witnessed and stuff. And so, like, uh, so you spent your entire career in Buffalo then? Uh, I, I grew up in Tanawanda, New York, and I worked as a police officer in the, in the Buffalo area. And after I retired in January 2001, I moved to Boston, and I went to work for a private investigator there who uh, had served in the military as uh, anti-counterintelligence. Um, I learned a lot from him. Uh, I, he set me up to take charge of the undercover division in the in the um, uh, on the job there. Um, I took care of the security at several hotels and other businesses, and uh, I, I, my uh, claim to fame was my interrogations. I probably had a 95% uh, confession rate on my interrogations, and I didn't have to waterboard anybody. So tell us a little bit about that. So how how would that all – because obviously, I you know, it's quite quite impressive, you know, some of the – some of the uh, interrogation tactics, but what, what, what does that look like? Like explain it for us, how, you know, how you would do things. Uh, what well, if I was going to interrogate an individual, I'd, I'd set them down and, you know, start out introducing myself, getting some basic information on them, making them feel a little at ease before I start 
asking them questions. And yeah. my biggest thing was looking for the micro expressions on somebody's face or their hands uh, or the way they said certain words. Uh, a person who's being deceptive will say, I did not do that. And when I was in interrogation school, they showed us uh, videos of a certain president who said, I did not have sex with that girl uh, as a person <laughs> being deceptive. <laughs> yeah, I think you get who I mean. Um, yeah, Bill and, Clinton. <laughs> right, right, right. I, and I put all these little things together. People would cover their mouth with their hand, try not to let the words get out. Um, uh, they groom themselves, like push their hair back, uh, you know, touch their face, rub their eyebrows, whatever. Uh, you'd look at their legs. Was one leg cocked back? Was it like they wanted to get out of there? Like they're in the hurdles uh, uh, in the uh, blocks of uh, uh, racing, and and uh, uh, or their leg would be going up and down about a hundred miles an hour. Um, some people would try to cover up their guilt by talking in a monotone. Uh, all these little things add up to where you could you can pressure somebody. And, and and there were times I just out and out lied to people about what I had on them. I had no obligation to tell these people the truth, and uh, it was like fighting fire with fire. It eventually broke down. My longest interrogation was four and a half hours. My shortest was three and a half minutes. The three and a half minute one, uh, I got a person uh, to confess to stealing ninety two thousand dollars in a period of four months. So. Uh, did anyone ever pull a fast one on you? They they would try, uh, but the actions spoke louder than words, so to say. Uh, usually, the employers uh, would give me the uh, the authority to terminate a person if I felt they were guilty. Everybody gives something right. up when they sit and talk. People do not understand uh, that that when they're across from an interrogator, they tell so much without saying anything. Yeah. And and that's no, I, where I, I would nail the people. Amazing. Amazing. And so, you know, in your, in your strong, you know, opinion and um, how everything's kind of gone over the years, you know, compared to when you were in law enforcement and how it is now, obviously a big significant change, right? I mean, there's so much, more problems that officers have to deal with today. Uh, you know, we live in a time that's evolved in many different ways with uh, tech, whether it's technology, whether there's, you know, more people in the population, you know, committing crime. I mean, there's so many different variables, but what are your thoughts on how it's changed? I mean, it, it definitely, it doesn't remind, I mean, it's so, it's so much more um, hostile and ang angry um than it was 20 years ago, in my strong opinion, it, with people violating crime, you know, violating the law and stuff. Oh, you're absolutely right. Uh, back and, in just, my day, and also the, la the lack of, and also these politicians not letting cops do their jobs and saying that cops are the enemy. I mean, there's so many different things. Go ahead, though. Sorry. Uh, I, I think it was Bloomberg that took away the stop and frisk in New York City. Uh, that was one of the worst things they could have done. Uh, but I was known as a badass cop. I was known as somebody who'd lock you up in a minute. But the 
people also knew I was fair. And, you know, especially with kids, uh, I try to help them. If they got jammed up, I try to help them and show them the way through things and how to do things the right way. Uh, And when we didn't have people cooperate, it was usually some 130-pound guy that got beer muscles that night, and he told us that, you know, F you, I'm not going to get arrested. You aren't arresting me. And, of course, then you got to go out and you got to have a come-to-Jesus talk with them to tell them that he doesn't know where he's going yet. <laughs> and uh, But nowadays, I, I, I don't know if I want to be out there in a patrol car. And, you know, I pray for our, uh, our heroes out there in those cars every day, uh, having to put up with the stuff they do. And the political climate uh, prior to these, last three years uh, helped make it all the worse. And, uh, you know, I don't care what somebody's skin color is. Uh, My wife is African-American. Her family is very successful. They grew up with next to nothing. Uh, They grew up in like a farm community and everybody helped each other. They didn't expect a handout from the government. They didn't expect anybody to give them anything. They all took care of one another. And, and, and nowadays, I mean, you, you know, if a, if a person makes a success of themselves, they're looked down upon in, in that community. Um, but um, it's just gotten so totally out of control. They, people of all um, ethnic groups have this idea that they can talk to the cops any way they want to. And, yeah. you know, I, I tell young men, look, at, if you get pulled over by the cops, say yes, sir. Say no, sir. Put your hands where they can see them. And if you got a beef about getting a ticket or getting arrested, well, that's when you call your lawyer and take care of it in court. Chances are you're going to get it reduced. But the minute you start resisting, the minute you start giving the cop a hard time, well, you know something? they got a lot more things to give you a hard time with than you do that. And that cop wants to go home at night just as much as you want to go home. And if they find something in your car, they find it. You know, just deal with it. But to get shot over it uh, or shoot a cop and end up facing life in jail, that, that, that's not the way to do it. Very, very well said, my friend. Um, tell everybody about these books, though. And I definitely want to have you back on the show soon. But tell everybody you've got uh, a few books out and uh, – you know, you're, you're, you're gaining ground. They're getting popular, and you're doing things. And uh, tell everyone. Well, my first book is, is called Showdown in Beantown, and obviously it takes place in Boston. And I started that book back in 2011, and uh, I had this young lady I was dating, and I pictured her as the, uh, the female protagonist. Uh, who was a media company producer, and the Albanian mafia was trying to take over her business. Um, I, I had a lot of Albanian friends in Boston. I was able to get them some authenticity uh, about Albanian culture into the book. Um, and anyways, this female protagonist, she has her business in New York. They're trying to take it over for the purpose of money laundering. And she comes up to Boston. 
she has a sister that works in a bar that the uh, that the lead character uh, his friend owns the bar, and the lead character just happens to be named Carlo Cabazzuti, and she comes to him and asks him for help, and he gets a band of these rogue lawyers uh, based on people that may or may not be true, and uh, we go after the Albanian mafia. Uh, the owner of this club, Sly Green, uh, he, he knows everything that goes on in the city. He has contacts all over. He's got the police commissioner and the mayor on speed dial on his phone. So there's all these little subplots going on, plus some human trafficking in there too. Uh, the second book was a sequel to the first book. And uh, you really have to read the first book to know why I got into the second book. Uh, that takes place over in Europe. It starts in Lithuania. It goes all the way through Poland. It goes down to Italy and Sicily. It involves the mafia. I talk about some of my family history with mafia. And, uh, you know, it, it just built on itself. It, it became its own creature. And uh, the third book uh, takes place out in West Texas. And it, it starts in Boston, and a bunch of guys decide to go for a motorcycle ride. And they end up getting dragged into the cartel and uh, the um, uh, an outlaw biker gang. So I've had experience with all these types of people. and I love uh, it. The stories are kind of writing themselves. So, But yeah. they have very, very strong female characters. Uh, your your right. female listeners out there would love these uh, female characters. Awesome. Awesome. And tell everybody where they can find it and connect with you. Okay. Well, the name of the first book is Showdown in Beantown. The second book is The Rise of Chloe. And the third book, which will be out at the end of the year, hopefully if I get it done, is called The Long Ride to Perdition. It's on Amazon. It's on Barnes & Noble. It's on Book Nook. It's on Lulu.com. Um, Perfect. And uh, it, it, you know, it's where Amazon. Um, so it's where all the any book you want to get. It's it's on those major sites. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. It really is a pleasure having you on, Carlo. And I want to get you back soon because I have a lot more things I want to discuss with you. All right, let me give you my website real quick, and people can find yeah, go all ahead, real the information quick. Yep. on there. It's cabazootycrime.com, and it's spelled C-A-B as in Victor, A-Z-U-T-T-I, crime.com. Perfect, perfect. Thank you so much, my friend. We'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thank you. All righty. Um, I, I do got to close the show here in a second, guys. Um, let's go to let's go to Todd. Todd, go ahead. 
Hey, Roy, appreciate you. Yeah, a lot, a lot of great uh, insight tonight. Uh, yeah, if anybody wants to follow me, I'd really appreciate it. At Todd for House uh, on Twitter, that's T O D D, the number four H O U S C. Also, check out my website, toddforhouse.com, T O D D, the number four H O U S C dot com. If you like what you see, you can donate there. Uh, you know, looking to make a move here in the next uh, few weeks. Still talking to some folks and making a few plans and seeing how things are going to play out. Uh, but moving forward as we speak, and, uh, you know, like I said, we're going to go fight for, uh, you know, the basically good common sense conservative values in Washington, D.C., or we're going to continue to fight uh, wherever we are in this country. You know, God bless everybody who's listening, and, uh, you know, appreciate it for having me on. Absolutely, my friend. And um, any final thoughts? No, you know, look at, looking forward to seeing what the next scandal is going to be that, that the Democrats roll out, you know, and I'm looking forward to, yeah. you know, basically exposing them and, uh, you know, fighting for, right. you know, not, not just their not just our president, but our country and making sure that, you know, the uh, the truth gets out. And, of course, you know, we, we educate a few folks along the way. Absolutely. Amen, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Yes, sir. God bless. God bless. Uh, Michael Valsi, go ahead. A couple quick thoughts, Roy. Uh, I failed to mention Rush uh, during the State of the Union. You know, Rush paved the way for national political talk radio, and it's wound up that it helped both conservatives and liberals, right, because they both jumped on the bandwagon. just so happened that liberals, I mean, conservatives were a lot more successful, even to the point to where conservatives, uh, liberals tried to ban conservative talk radio, if you remember that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Rush deserves a lot of credit uh, and should have been recognized on both sides of the aisle for just the advancement of political talk radio. The other thing is uh, yeah. you mentioned earlier with another guest, the uh, president's tax returns. You know, the president has a way of backing these people in a corner and exposing them. I would be careful if I was the liberals what I wished for because the majority opinion, that when it comes out, may not be what they asked for. And what I mean by that is they might be required to expose their taxes, too. So it's going to be interesting to see how that ruling plays out. With that, that's about all I had. I just wanted to get those final thoughts out. Thanks for having me again, Roy. Great show tonight. Just a wonderful show. You can reach me on Twitter at Michael Volsi. That's V as in Victor, A-L-S-I. And I'll answer a DM. I'm there usually most of the day. Thanks a lot, Roy. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Always, always a pleasure, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Um, I, I do have, I do have Bill Price on, uh, Jim Price on the line. Jim, I, I, <laughs> I, I, very, I apologize. Um, I, I, there's yeah. a lot I want to talk to you about. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you on tomorrow, but I just, I wanted to, you to, you be able to get some plugs in. Um, tell yeah. everybody where they can connect with you, all that good stuff. Uh, Jim Price Show, the Jim Price Show on Facebook, on YouTube. Uh, look up the Jim Price Show on iTunes. Catch all my podcasts. Uh, we do have a uh, a website. We also have the No Coast Surf Shop, which is our memorabilia. The we stand with all patriots: coffee cups, mugs, t-shirts, bumper stickers, keychains, this everywhere. Uh, look up the Jim Price Show. Like, share, comment the best you can. Uh, I'm out there pushing the best information I've got, making sure you get ahead of the curve and understand what these people are really doing on the backside. Don't always don't always follow the shiny ball. Don't don't get that laser point around and tar- start chasing that across the surface. Understand that they are trying to distract you from what's really going on. The Democrats have been doing this for 30 or 40 years, and yes, as Republicans, as conservatives. As patriots, we're finally waking up, and we're going to bind together. We're going to make this right. We're going to turn this ship around and make a better country than what we have now. 
We are the shining light on the hill, so let's make sure we keep polishing it and making it better and keeping us being the top of the heap. Amen, brother. Amen. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Um, everybody, I do, I do got to go. I have about 20 seconds. Um, big show tomorrow. Tune in, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I love you all. Thank you. Uh, and have a great rest of your night. I'm Rory Sodder. Mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Much love. Cheers.